Hide your maze tattoo, update your conspiracy board, and get ready to weather the storm with us as we return to Haven. This is Trouble, the self-proclaimed number one Haven Rewatch podcast. Debuting back in 2010 as a sci-fi channel original show, Haven stars Emily Rose, Lucas Bryan, and Eric Balfour as they take on a different curse every week while trying to solve the mysteries of Haven. I am your first host in our father-son podcasting duo, Alex French. And I'm your second host, Rich French, the French who sadly admits he watches Temptation Island. All right. Like every episode, we like to do a summary at the beginning. More, uh, It's nece- more necessary than ever now that it's off Netflix and only available on Tubi. Exactly. We're covering episode seven, the tides that bind, not the ties that bind, not uh, the famous song, right? By Bruce Springsteen of an expression that's been <laughs> around for decades. <laughs> All right. So our episode begins. We're greeted to five kids standing on a dock. I thought they were going to get some nice little like cheery moment of these kids bonding, but they start singing a creepy song and fucking push one of their buds into the lake, right? With a cinder block uh, tied to his foot so that he sinks to the bottom. Right. So the kid gets pulled into the water and then uh, what well, seems like one of the kid's dads, right? Or yeah, like- yeah, an adult comes over and tells him it's dinner time and he looks into the water, sees the kid under there and is like, yep, OK, and just turns around and walks back down the pier. So- right. And he's got a tattoo just like the man that's supposed to kill Duke. So uh, mystery right there. Meanwhile, uh, Nathan and Audrey get a call from our good friend, Dr. Lucchese, right? Exactly. So now they're uh, approaching on a rocky beach where they find Dr. Lucchese uh, looking at a body that has washed ashore. Yeah, with the tattoo, right? So it's the guy that we saw before, now dead. Right. We know that, but they don't know that yet. But they and when they look at him, they find he has a keychain on him with a picture in it. And in the picture, it's of the dead man and a woman. And then they also find a note and the note says something like, I'm sorry to leave you like this and know it will hurt, but I can't go on like this. They find all of that kind of sounds like a suicide note. So they have to go back to HBD and figure out what's going on. And there Nathan runs into Duke. Right. And Duke wants to know more. He's heard about this tattoo. So he wants to see the pictures and stuff. Sees it, asks like, hey, who is this guy? And they're like, we don't know. We were trying to ask you. They don't know. Okay. So Audrey and Nathan are at the soup kitchen at Rev's church and they show the picture in the keychain to her. She says that's her ex, uh, Leith. And uh, she doesn't believe he would commit suicide, but he has been on edge because of money troubles, even though they've been, uh, they're not together anymore. He tries to financially take care of her and their son, Daniel. And, uh, you know, they say, Nathan specifically asks her about the tattoo and she says it's a family thing. Several of the Glendower men have it, you know, and that that sort of thing. Nathan then starts talking to Audrey saying the Glendowers live outside of the, you know, the boundaries of town on their own compounds, you know, and she's like, it's like a cult. And he's like, yeah, people in town think they're a cult. And then as he's explaining that, and he he says that the chief used to take him out there when he was a kid because the chief would check on him. And then Mary comes back and she looks a little upset. And she says, the school just called. Leith did not drop Daniel off at you know, school today and that he had dropped him off by his cousins on the compound last night because he likes hanging out with his cousins. So now we know where we have to go next. They go to the Glendower house and start talking to Cole and Gwen and basically and they're surprised to find out that Leith killed himself. Uh, they're like, yeah, that wouldn't happen. And, uh, you know, they're trying to get custody because they're saying Mary can't take care of Daniel. Right. 
Right. Only uh, he's a he's a Glendower now and only they can take care of him. And, you know, and Nathan, uh, they, they press him. And then all of a sudden, two armed Glendowers come out and uh, Cole tells him, hey, you know, your father was a friend, but uh, you need to leave now. And Nathan threatens to come back with a warrant. And Cole tells him, yeah, well, next time I see you here, you better have a warrant. You know, as they're leaving, Audrey sees the boy who was thrown overside with the cinder block. And she asks about Daniel and the boy's like, uh, you, they can't have him. He belongs with us now. Meanwhile, the Rev is putting together an angry mob to go get the kids from the Glendowers. But Nathan talks Mary down and is like, hey, this isn't the way I'll help you. But, you know, you need to kind of stop. And Rev's like, all right, we're abated for the moment. But this uh, it's coming. We're going to get yeah. him by force if we like in a, in a matter of time. Yeah, they won't wait forever since the boy's soul is at stake. Right. So Audrey and Nathan are like, hey, you know, we got to like speed this shit up. So Audrey's like, we're going to go break into that fucking Glendower house and find the answer. So let's go. Right. And Nathan's like, hey, hey, I can't do this shit anymore. I'm the chief. But then he realizes she's just going to do it anyway. So he relents and they go and they check out uh, the compound. Right. And inside they find uh, the big kind of important thing is they find a picture of Lucy with the chief, a young chief and uh, the Glendowers, right? Or was it, right. which one? And it's on the back, it's written wedding day, 1983. So, which kind of implies, you know, Gwen and Cole's wedding was in 1983 and the chief and Lucy were there. So that's fascinating. But while they're looking at that, they hear running water. So they run upstairs, find the sound, go into a bathroom and holy shit, there's Daniel underneath the water in a bathtub, and then his eyes open up and freaks him out. Right, and so they're trying to pull him out and rescue him, but he's labored breathing. Cole comes in, is like, put him back in. You don't know what you're fucking doing. Uh, they realize, oh shit, maybe he does need the water to breathe. They kind of explain Cole's like, hey, when the troubles are troubles are around, Glendower boys need to be underwater, like ever for three hours a day. Right. They can only I think they can only breathe air for three hours a day when the trouble troubles come. So they have to predominantly spend their uh, time in in the water. Right. And, and, you know, and Cole goes deeper. He says centuries ago, uh, centuries ago, we realized on the ebb tide of a new moon, we all to go in the water together for the transformation of the children to finalize. So and uh, he explains that the chief knew about the trouble and they assumed him and Audrey did as well, especially since Audrey looked just like Lucy, even though they know she can't be Lucy because Lucy would be in her 50s. And then uh, Nathan asks Cole, he's like, why is the Rev so pissed and hell bent and like and getting revenge on you? And he explains that the Rev found out he was having an affair with his wife, but he, he reiterates he did not kill her. But then Audrey, she's looking at the note that they found. She's looking at the handwriting on the um, on the back of the picture and she put pieces it together. Gwen uh, Glendower is actually Penny Driscoll. She didn't die in the accident. She wasn't murdered. She faked her death so she could remain with Cole and and shake off uh, the Rev. Meanwhile, Duke uh, wants a closer look at some of the Rev's shit. So he has Evie distract the Rev, uh, the soup kitchen stuff. And then he breaks into the church to steal and he finds a list of people who are victims of the troubled. Uh, And at the same time, Audrey and Nathan are like, hey, we need to go talk. You know, we need to fucking find some info on the Rev also. So they broke in at the same time. They they catch him, right? Yeah, they catch him with the list and Nathan grabs the list and then Audrey's like, you know where the Rev is? He's like, well, yeah, I know where the Rev is and implies I don't get my list back, my piece of paper back because they don't know what's on it. And I don't get that back. I won't tell you where the Rev is. So uh, Audrey kind of makes Nathan relent and Nathan gives him back his list. 
and he tells them where the rev is. So then they head to the pier where the rev and Evie are like loading boxes and stuff. All right. And so earlier the kids went missing. And so that's kind of where the panic comes from of like why they went to the rev and all this, because they suspect him and his boys did it. Uh, but Rev is like, Hey, I've been at the soup kitchen all day. Couldn't have been me. And so we kind of find out that Mary is the one that actually took the kids, but Cole's mermen attack the Rev on the dock uh, and are there to kill him. And they start pulling all his boys into the water to drown them. But Nathan and Audrey kind of call a truce between them all. Right. Cause Cole's demanding the Rev. He wants to take the Rev under the water. Like, uh, you know, the, the other Glendower men did with uh, the Rev's henchmen. I just love using the word henchmen. And, uh, you know, Basically, Nathan t- talks him down, you know, you, you trust you trusted my father. Now you, you got to trust me. So he gets them to back off. He gets them to release the uh, the Rebs men who they were holding underwater. And like the conflict is averted for the time being, even though the Rebs starts talking shit as they're leaving. And Nathan really <laughs> is pissed, slams them up against the pole and then uh, realizes that while the Rev didn't have them, he grabs his phone. Mary had called the Rev three times in the last hour. So obviously something's wrong. She needs to Rev. And Duke more than kindly offers to punch the Rev for Nathan. But they basically tell him we're going to. And then Evie recalls that Mary had told her there's a barn that the soup kitchen uses for storage just outside of town. And she knows where it is. So Nathan tells the Rev, you're going to go talk to Mary and get those kids back. And he's like, uh, I won't. But nonetheless, that's where they head next is off to the barn to see if they can convince Mary to release the kids. Okay. Mary's not coming out with the kids. They're at a standstill. She's got a gun. She won't talk to anyone to the rev. They send the rev forward. Rev's like, Hey, I'm not actually going to fucking negotiate shit unless you guys promise to be part of the flock. So it looks like we're united. They're like, fuck you. Here's our new card. They bring out Penny and it shocks the rev to the core. And then, uh, yeah, Penny talks to the Rev and explains that, you know, hey, the reason why I left you all those years ago was this anger and bigotry towards the troubled. These kids are innocent, and even you can't want revenge that much that you would, uh, you know, let these innocents die. So eventually the, the Rev relents, and he goes into the barn. He's in there a while. Nathan's freaking out. We got screwed. Let's go in. But all of a sudden, the doors open. The kids come funneling out the Glendower moms run up there to get their kids. Nathan hands off Mary to a uniformed cop. And then Audrey tries to thank uh, the Rev, but the Rev says, I had the time for prayer and it's over, but a good shepherd always knows how to save his flock. Rev walks off right past, uh, past uh, Penny and goes on his way. Okay. So after the whole situation is resolved, uh, all the Glendower men are getting ready to leave. And when Nathan and Audrey like realized they were, Oh, they got like a little bit of information that this wasn't a, uh, there wasn't a suicide earlier from Leith. It was a murder. He figures out Cole. I know it was you. And he's like, eh, Leith was trying to blackmail me. So I murdered him to protect everybody. Uh, knows he can't be arrested. So he goes into exile and promises to return for his punishment. Once the troubles are over and they all get in the water and leave. But before they're leaving, Duke's like, Hey, who killed my dad? And he's like, bro, I don't know who killed your dad, but it's because of the shit he got into. Stay away from it or else you'll be in trouble too. Exactly. And then Audrey actually talks to Penny about Lucy and uh, Penny just tells her, you know, Lucy was only in Haven for about a month and uh, her and uh, Garland Warnos helped a lot of people with the troubles and, uh, and she didn't see her the day after the day, the Colorado kid was murdered, which was the only time she says she ever saw Lucy try I mean, excuse me. So I saw Lucy cry, and then uh, 
Yeah, we see who Evie has been talking to also as the Rev watches over them as well and disgust. Evie has been working for him secretly this whole time. And like, Duke doesn't suspect a thing. Ha, 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 ha. And then uh, Nathan, Nathan and Audrey, you know, contemplate their fate and how his dad and her previous identity used to work together and they're in it again. Yeah, they're following in their same footsteps with, without even knowing it. Uh, and one thing uh, that, that came out with the list that Duke had and that Evie tells the Rev is that now that uh, Duke knows that his father, Simon Crocker, was killed by the Troubled, the Rev's got him in his grips. And then the episode ends with some beautiful Enya music as the as the Glendower boys wade out into the ocean. I think, uh, what did you think of the episode? What would you rate it? Okay, I like this episode. I mean, because it revealed a lot of information regarding the past troubles, the Rev, the Chief, and Lucy. And then uh, obviously more about Duke and, you know, especially our list of uh, citizens killed by the cursed. There were some inconsistencies and some other odd things that uh, bring the score down from last week for me. But overall, it was a good episode. I give the episode a score of seven on the patent pending uh, Frenchometer. But I'm almost convinced to bump, bump it up to an eight just due to all of the reveals because it gives, you know, this is one episode that when I think about episodes, there's so much past and, and background information that's, you know, given in this episode. It's, you know, especially for an episode seven and like a 12, 13 season arc with the Christmas episode. I mean, it's rare you get that much information like in the middle of the season. So it, it, I could almost be an eight, but uh, seven, just because there are certain things which I'll talk about more as we go on that, you know, annoyed me about it. I'm going to question you on how much we really learn, but we won't. Uh, <laughs> we'll return to that in a second. Yeah, I, I give it the same thing. I give it a seven. Uh, it's a nice episode. Uh, the Rev is a good opponent. It's nice that we have this like multiple way struggle. There's multiple factions and independent agents that are kind of moving around, you know, trying to get their own. They have their own agendas, which is nice. And then we're kind of mixing in everybody. You know, Audrey, Nathan, and Duke are are actually in play into the big story. I feel like sometimes one or the other isn't. You know, like in Roots, Nathan has no, it's an artificial like uh, it artificial presence where it's like, okay, he has no actual involvement in the episode except that he's pining for Audrey. If we cut him out, really, nothing changes. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and then a bunch of times with Duke, we don't need him. No, I, I, I would, I would, I would agree with you on that. Like I said, it's a, it's a good episode, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's not necessarily the, the greatest. I mean, we, uh, you know, we could use some uh, Vince and Dave. I, I think would have they've been missing for a while. I, I would have, I think it would have been neat if, uh, like, they, they uh, went to them for information about the Glendowers. That would have been a great yeah. way to incorporate them in there. Yeah, so. that would make sense. I think instead of uh, or. What they learned about Penny Driscoll, uh, there was a bit of an exposition they learned at HPD, which I think they could have done at the Herald to get just a bit of Vincent Day. And maybe they did, and maybe there wasn't enough time, and they were like, okay, just shoot a real quick one at HPD. That'll be like 30 seconds for the exposition, because the other scene might be too long. Right. I mean, yeah, because they could have been like, yeah, well, we reported on a story back in 1983 that Penny Driscoll was missing, and uh, and then... Uh, you know, the Rev was blaming uh, Cole Glendower for abducting her. And then three days later, she dies in a car accident. And the Rev thinks it's murder, but uh, Chief Warnos uh, never investigated it and left it as an accident. They they could have they easily could have done that and had some lighthearted parts and that because mm-hmm. that's what that's kind of one that's what's missing from this episode. There's not as many lighthearted moments as usually. And maybe that's why it drops to a seven for me. 
you know, besides yeah. some of the some of the goofy shit that I'm going to talk about. Duke, you know, cause yeah, on. Duke doesn't have his normal. You know, he's more we're, we're getting serious Duke in this episode, right? He's got some real shit. Uh, he's in incognito mode. He clearly learned it from the chief. It's just put a hat on. Hat on, you know, sunglasses. No one will ever recognize. Him. I mean, he didn't even have the sunglasses. He didn't have sunglasses on. That's true. Hat. Duke puts on a hat, completely different guy. As we're talking about these episodes, one thing, and I know what we're going to talk, you know, about, you know, how much do we really, really learn? And uh, what I would say to that is sometimes it's not how much did we learn? It's how much did the characters learn? So one thing I really, I really, I really freaking liked was, uh, you know, they brought back Doc Lucchese. I thought that was pretty cool. I, I like that for bringing them back, uh, you know, but yeah. I do, I, I do have to wonder. So when Doc Lucchese goes clamming, does he always bring a pair of latex gloves with him in case he has to <laughs> investigate a body? Uh, I, you know what? I could see it. I could see, you know, if you're, if he's clam, maybe he has to look in something like messy, you know, so he's just got like, maybe he's got like a little first aid kit. That's got some gloves in it or something. I could see it. Okay. Okay. And then kind of my second thing with that scene Okay, if uh, Leith's, you know, first of all, while we're at it, who the fuck is named Leith? Okay, L-E-I-T-H. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's a legitimate name. Yeah. Probably, I only probably... found, I, I I punched, typed that into uh, freaking Wikipedia. I got one Leith that was a person. And, it's a unique uh, name. I like yeah. it. I like it. You can tell that's not uh, Ernst's, Ernst's cousin's roommate's name, you know? Well, the one guy I found was uh, was a very famous uh, minister, uh, pastor who did a lot of his his seminary in Denver, believe it or not, of all places. Even wow. at, you know the seminary in Denver, the freaking Illith uh, College of Seminary in Aurora, and then also at Boulder, UC Boulder. So it was, uh, and he, and he was born in Minnesota, where they happened to have uh, ran their Ernst and Dunn ran their businesses and restaurants. They love so. Target. Yes. Okay. But uh, you know, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. I just, I hated the name because I, I, I kept, my mind kept like auto correcting it to leaf, like L E I F. And then I even noticed in the cast, one of the little boys, uh, Glendower boys was like Connor leaf something. And I was like, that's what the name should have been. It should have been leaf, but nonetheless, I it's mean, very, leaf is fine. it's unique. I'd rather have a unique name than uh bill or Bob or Mike, like, holy fuck. If I have to ever hear another Mike, Alex, you know, it's a pretty common name of my generation. Uh, not so much yes. in like media. I think it's because older generations don't use it as much like in TV and stuff. Leith, you know, washes ashore and he's got this note on him and it didn't look like it was in a, a protective bag or anything till how is that shit not like completely dissolved and un, unlegible? And yeah, I, I would think especially what we learn later about the note, how old the note is, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, you'd barely be able to read the note if it was preserved well, you know, intentionally. Mm-hmm. And uh, he washes ashore with it on him, but it remains intact and has more than enough wording to, you know, basically be part of the solution to uh, Audrey figuring out that uh, Gwen is actually freaking uh, Penny Driscoll. I just thought that was kind of a stretch. I think maybe there was like a troubled person who had like had magic charcoal that's immune to water or something you know you never know or magic paper he got it out of that you know he got it probably from the same person who made the puzzle the cursed puzzle to some mortal paper or maybe maybe the chief you know also took decoffage as a hobby when he was younger (laughs) and he decoffaged a, a lacquer coat over the note for them since he was at their wedding and was clearly a friend I didn't like that uh, that little scene where they showed the water kind of funneling into Daniel's mouth once yeah. he's back under. I mean, that, that was the most fakest looking thing. I mean, I was like, I mean, come on, even for uh, 
even for a sci-fi budget haven i i expect something better than that well what yeah another thing i didn't really i didn't like about the episode was uh so like uh when they're at the pier and cole's men jump up and they uh they, they jump up and they take the revs men underwater and at the end he shouts let them go how the fuck do they hear that they're I underwater thinking, i was thinking the same thing i was like how do they how do they i was like because i was like maybe he's in a signal because he kind of looks over and i was like yeah how's he gonna do this i was like maybe he's in a signal to them and they'll be able to see it but then he's like let him go let and, him go and and all of a sudden they, I, there's no way they fucking heard him now unless they did like some of those little uh sonar uh like you know, like gra- visuals like they did mm-hmm. with aquaman you know <laughs> You know, he's clicking to the dolphins or something like that. No, but it, that 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 freaking ir- irritated me. You know, funny thing, uh, the guy who plays Cole and uh, freaking Stephen McCaddy, like uh, we're in a movie together. Yeah, actually, I forgot what it was. It might be. It's The Revenant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not I'm assuming not the Leonardo DiCaprio one, but a different one. So or is it then, The Covenant? I think it's The Covenant. Oh, it's The Covenant. It's The Covenant. Yeah. yeah so it's The Covenant. One thing I was thinking, I, I'm still, I'm still get, having issues with, with, with the, the Troubles timeline for, you know, from yeah, well, yeah, let's, let's talk about the Troubles timeline as a bigger, just like discussion. Yeah. It's just kind of a mess right now. Apparently Lucy was only there for one month. Right. And disappeared after the Colorado kid was murdered. So, so she was able to handle the, the period of the Troubles. And if the Troubles were there, why weren't the Glendower men out to sea? And, you know, when do they go out to sea? Because, uh, you know, I know that whole, you know, first ebb tide, uh, first new moon ebb, t- ebb tide shit. And uh, I get that. But it just, it just, she's there one month, but then uh, Audrey's been there for what's got to be, you know, close to a year. I mean, at well, least. Yeah. How was you know. she able to do as much as she did in 30 days, right? Like, is she fucking, uh, is she like, like uh, Duncan McLeod? How had a can have a hundred adventures and like uh like you know every every day of their life is just a crazy adventure that's like well now that yeah. I think about it I did deal with something every single day. Well, yeah, well, Duncan McLeod was actually personally involved in every major historical action <laughs> or thing of history. I mean, he was there in Edison's office when he you know. It's he just like say- that when you're when you're watching that show, right? And you're like, okay, how could you possibly establish, you know, go from like this time period to this and like establish yourself so like ingrained in this culture like this? You'd have to be moving like every year to be able to do all this shit. Yeah. And that's what it feels like with that, where it's like, okay, really, she dealt with all these troubled people in 30 days and left this like impact on everybody. You know, all these people that are impacted by Lucy was just in a 30 day span. 30 days isn't a long time. Yeah, that would have been like uh, what, what, like handling two troubles a day or some shit, you yeah. know. And it's just, uh, I don't know. I just, yeah, I, I think they're sloppy. You know, I think they're sloppy with the timeline, and it's just, it, it just doesn't add up. I mean, I'm a very linear person. I'll admit that. I, you know, I got a business degree. You know, I'm very linear, and uh, it's just. <laughs> I don't know how that. I don't know how those tie together. That you're linear because you have a or you have a business degree because you're linear. Well, I think in a linear, you know, I'm, I'm just very linear in the way I think, you know, and um, you know, it's just these things aren't adding up to me. And it, it might be one thing if I was just watching the show and not preparing for a podcast on it. I, you know, yeah, I don't, re- I don't recall the, at the, the first time like really sitting there weren't thinking about it. But uh, you know, when you're going to present a show on it, put content out there for for listeners, you know. It, yeah, I have to pay closer attention and I got to call things out when I, they don't make sense. 
Yeah, I mean, considering what we know also about the chief post-Vietnam was apparently dealing with troubled people, when everyone's like, oh, the troubles, like, that was such a bad time. And it's like, well, it's 30 days. It's not like the coronavirus where it's a, you know, it's been a year and everyone, you know, that's a fucking time. That's an amount of time that, like, leaves an, an impact on a society and stuff where it's like 30 days, yeah, bad, but not, like, it's an aberration more than, like, this devastating period of time, right? Yeah, how could she wrap everything up with a in, with a nice bow in, in thirty days? So I mean, yeah. I, I guess you could argue maybe oh, only Penny knew her for thirty days, and maybe she was there earlier or something. And, but I don't. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's I guess that's true. Is that maybe she was there and Penny didn't know about her? But yeah, it's just kind of like confusing with like the Chief's timeline, her timeline. And now we have another thing that's apparent that like we've been going back and forth. Like, have the troubles always been there? Or I should say, this do the trouble people keep their troubles? Well, apparently, no. But like, when's what's the timeline? So, if the troubles were really how long were they going in '83? Did they start in like '81 and climax in '83? You know, where they when the mermen had to leave? Is that kind of what's going on now? It's just kind of a confusing and then like disappear and then it was gone for a while. But apparently, Nathan couldn't feel in middle school, even though you know the yeah. troubles would have ended when he was in elementary school. So it's just kind of all over the fucking place. I'm not sure what what the timeline is here on when the troubles are here and then gone or what the fuck's going on. Yeah, and, and uh, I don't remember. I, I remember how, how the troubles go away, you know, from uh, when I watched it the first time and all of that. But uh, I just, I don't remember them explaining away the, you know, like some of these inconsistencies on the time period. So yeah, like Nathan not being able to feel when he's yeah, hey, you're the first first touch I've felt in years. Years, really, really, the trouble's been going on for years, and and then Audrey's just getting there now. How many, you know? I guess you could make the argument he developed, you know, he got some neural disorder or something, but that doesn't really explain the fact that he would have the same trouble as like a as a nerve disorder. And that nervous system disorder or whatever that his dad also has the same trouble. So it's like, that's not, that doesn't, that doesn't line up. That's not, that can't be it. Yeah. No. So those were, you know, uh, you know, and some of the other things that bug me, I, you know, I have uh, turned those into, into questions. Okay. So what do you think of Duke Duke's reply to Nathan's quip and that, that first scene at, at Haven PD with them when uh, Nathan's like, Hey, you need to stay out of this. Otherwise you'll be asking your cellmate what he knows about tattoos. That's what, uh, that's what Nathan would, uh, I mean, Duke, that's the best Duke can come up with. And, uh, and like you said earlier, this is kind of like Duke's serious episode and he's kind of, uh, you know, clearly scared. But I, I was just like, yeah, Duke acting all hurt like that. Come on. Oh, I don't think he was. Oh, I guess the key word you use is acting. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like him trying to like play on Audrey, you know, being like, hey, like, you don't let him like talk to me like that. I, I didn't have like a problem with it. I don't think it's his greatest quip, but I don't think they all need to be like zingers, you know. I mean, like last episode, that was just all his content was like one-liners. Okay. All right. It's just to lighten the mood. <laughs> what did you think about the way the Glendower men launched themselves out of water? I mean, pretty <laughs> epic. Okay. You know what I thought immediately was uh, the Leslie Nielsen hit yeah. wrongfully accused when he jumps in off the waterfall and then he's spawning upstream. That's what they look like to me. Like they were spawning upstream. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just couldn't stop picturing Leslie Nielsen spawning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a sci-fi budget, you know? 
<laughs> it just it, it looked really goofy. But like I said, for me, yeah. it it brought back positive memories of of, of wrongfully accused because I I love that movie. It's uh, <laughs> you know great movie. But okay, so I just was curious if you. Yeah, I thought it was probably bad effects, but for me, it was ended up being more fun for what it reminded me. Yeah, of. let's talk about the information revealed. Uh, so let's have a discussion there because you were saying this episode reveals a lot of information, and then we get a distinction that reveals a lot of information to the characters, not to us. We learned about uh, Lucy and the chief essentially functioning the same exact way that Audrey and yeah. uh, and Nathan are. So that's so that's a that's a whole new thing that that we didn't know about. Uh, we didn't know that uh, the Rev's wife was alive. Yeah, I mean that's that's bullshit though. That's not like, or I should say, I'll get into why I'll get into why it's bullshit and like in another way. But it's also that's not any kind of twist. That's not kind of any information reveal that I don't know means anything really. Is it going to change the way Rev behaves? No, like he's not going to change at all. He's already got his machinations in place. He's sticking with them. It just serves as this weird thing. I don't know. I just don't. I just don't think it's like relevant. I don't think it's like useful. It's not, it's, I don't know, it's, it's fluff information for me. I don't think Penny being alive is significant. Well, and I guess what you could say is that uh, he was already you know, obviously angry and uh, bitter and bigoted towards the, the cursed, the troubled people. But after, you know, when his wife, you know, dies, and he thinks that it's because of the trouble, uh, a troubled person that just kicks up the anger and that that more, you know, another 10 notches and that hatred, another 10 notches. And that really is what, uh, you know, I think that's what really takes the Rev into who he is now. That event made him. He was heading down that path, but I think that's something that would just accelerate it, you know, exponentially. So, yeah, that's, I, I guess I just feel like it was very inefficient. Like we, I feel, I just feel a lot of this information is inferred. I don't know. So like you would assume that we heard from Garland that he worked in the seven, well, the ever sliding timeline, you know, that he worked back in the day taking down troubled people. And we know Lucy was involved. You would imagine that their paths crossed. I know we, you know, it's not necessarily inferred that they had a partnership the way Audrey and Nathan do, but it would right. be it would be known, you know, or it's like known that they would probably have crossed paths at that point. Same thing, Penny. We already knew that Penny's death is what kind of drove. Well, you know, her supposed death is what drove the Rev completely over the edge back in the day. That's talked about in Butterfly. This is just like an added staple that, like, oh yeah, I was a troubled person. That's why he hates him. So I don't know. It feels just a bit like a little like tacked on to like something we've already established. Like a little bit of like. It's putting a top hat on a frog, you know? Well, and after the Colorado kids murder, it was the only time Lucy ever cried. I think Audrey's cried a couple times already. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, well, she was only and, there for 30 days. So I'd be like, well, that's not anything kind of, that's not that crazy. Uh, like, I'm sure I, I don't think I've cried in the last 30 days. So, but yeah, it's like someone you don't, you've only known for like, you know, where it's like, I've known you for 24 days and I've never seen you cry. That wouldn't be an unreasonable thing to <laughs> like say. I've, I don't have a new coworker, right? That I'm like, hey, I've known you for four weeks. And I've never seen you shed tears. That'd be kind of a weird, they'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. 
we learn, at least according to the list, that uh, old Simon Crocker was uh, yeah. killed by by the cursed. And, uh, you know, Cole pretty much confirms it. He says he doesn't know who did it, but, uh, you know, basically says it was because of his business that he was in. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much the relevant information is with Simon. I'm just not in love with the delivery system of the information, too. I feel like it's just lacking drama and stakes. Like he finds a fucking list. And look at that. Look at the printout of that list, man. I mean, it's <laughs> believable that's how the Rev would do it because he's, you know, older. So maybe he's not as uh, compute tech savvy. Tech you know? savvy. Right. But yeah, it looks he... like a production assistant. They were like, oh, fuck, we forgot the list. Uh, Ken, just go, you know, print this off real quick at the fucking library. So he went to the public library and was like, oh, Okay, all they have is uh, like text edit, so I'll just have to like print it off real quick. Yeah, it was it, it was pretty shoddy. Yeah, I, I mean, it uh, looks like right off Microsoft Word, like something you or I could print easily. Yeah, and it's like uh, like this is a list that it it's so important the Rev would have it hidden, but it looks like uh, you know, <laughs> like a a first grader did it in his first exercise in in Word. Yeah, yeah I would have much preferred a written note on that one. They should have switched it to the old, the blackmail note should have been like typewriter. So it's less like believable that it would, you know, you may be like, oh, I guess maybe it's less likely to fade as like pencil or something or pen. Uh, and yeah, then, I never thought of that. You're right. Flip flop. This one should have been written because can you imagine the rev on his like, I, I mean, I'm trying to imagine what computer he had. probably has like some like 2003 Dell, you know, and he's like typing really just you know like you know old man being like okay joe campbell like <laughs> yeah. uh joe campbell makes it into another episode and yeah. this time it wasn't forced it was not uh, forced we'll, we'll get to listen just a second yeah but yeah so i think that was just a shitty it was just a boring delivery and to keep to the, the simon crocker like the simon crocker reveal also it's just a weird scene right he finds this list and you're seeing the names and he's like, people killed by troubles. I mean, the title is hilarious also, by the way. Yeah. Citizens then, uh, killed by the cursed. Yes, yeah, citizens killed by the cursed. Uh, apparently his first, like you were saying, his first grade project. But then Simon Crocker's in the middle of this list. And the names, there's no like rhyme or reason. These are all characters who died in season one, except for a couple. And then Simon, who's this big, important player in the middle of like, yeah, is Joe Campbell's death really that important? No. Is Simon Crocker's death important? Probably. Probably fucking like a big deal. Well, because I remember what Simon Crocker's business was, and it is a big deal. Yeah, Yeah, so So, it's a big deal, whereas like he's surrounded by Phil Reiser and fuck. it's like, okay, these are Mm. these aren't important. Well, like, you know, he should have had the handwritten notes and then, you know, he's looking through them and he's like, these are all people who have been killed by trouble, you know, and then he flips the page and then sees his dad's name, you know, on the last page of like a little notepad. And then that's, oh, fuck. You know, that my yeah. dad, you know, it was just kind of a lackluster, like looking through the list and like, oh, there's my dad's name in the middle. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Could game it. of like giving back, like the patty cake, whatever, giving the note back and forth, which is kind of funny, but also yeah. like just like well, a ridiculous that, scene. Yeah. That, that, that was, uh, you know, and, and w- this ties into that. Uh, another question I had for you, you know, I was curious what you thought about Nathan just handing the list back to Duke, uh, you know, at, you know, Fuck no, dude. There's no. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm asking you a question and not letting you answer. <laughs> no, 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 no. Keep, keep, shitty. keep going. But, but but fuck no. There's no way. There's no <laughs> way Nathan. You know, Duke's not supposed to be in there. That's breaking and entering. And how many times has uh, Duke and Audrey caught him breaking and entering? 
Jesus Christ. You mean, mean Nathan and Audrey? Nathan and Audrey. Yeah, yeah, fuck it. But no. And uh, it's just, uh, I mean, and there's no way that Nathan doesn't at least look at what he yeah, snatched he didn't even, away from him. He didn't even read the fuck. That's my bigger problem. I don't care that he like gave it back to Duke, but the fact that he didn't even look at it out of, you know, he fucking snatched it and be like, what is this? And then it'd be a believable Duke snatches it back, yada, yada, yada. And then, yeah, but there's no way Nathan doesn't read that. I mean, yeah, come on. Exactly. I, I mean, I would slap him if if he wouldn't read that. I mean, because that's just irrational. So that that was fucking irritating to me. And I just yeah, I no. think that whole scene was just haphazard, you know, like it was just it just was really poorly executed on a, on the dramatic on the scale of drama. They did everything the least dramatic way possible. It was very like, you know, it was just like pump and dump. Let's just get the fucking exposition and let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I, I almost wonder if that was like a like a scene that they just fucking added or something like at the last minute saying we got to explain this somehow and get. But I don't know. It's yeah, just because there, there's there's no commentary on this episode, and I you know I can see why on some of these things. Uh, I think this is a pretty important episode to have but commentary it's a, it, for. It is a very important episode yeah. because like the Simer, uh, Simer, Simon Crocker. See, I'm just trying to truncate it to Simer, but uh, the, the not to be confused with Slimer, the ghost from Ghostbusters uh, who loves hot dogs. But nonetheless, <laughs> you know, but speaking of the, of the list again, I mean, don't underplay the importance of Jill Campbell, because I'm telling you, the Haven Tourism Board, you know, they're upset because he pleased a lot of tourists and yeah. kept them coming back to Haven. Yeah, that's the real. They're like the trouble's not a problem. Joe Campbell dying, we got a big problem. Uh, let's go through the list of people. So we both stopped and read the list of people. Did you track them all down? Do you know who all of them are? I missed. I missed one. Uh, the last one, I only got it. Uh, his first name. But I mean, do you do you recognize the every name on the list? Did you go like track them down and figure out? Uh, not every, and, and okay. I didn't. I, I didn't track them down. But uh, okay. you know, so the first name I have, and I know you had the definitive list. So yeah, I have James Lester, episode one. Boom. Well, so know. yeah, he went by Jonas Lester in episode. Oh, one. that's right. It was Jones, Jonas so, Lester. You're right. How the little, hell did I not? It's a little uh, weird that it's like James Lester, but it should be Jonas Lester. Uh, uh, once again, the PA just whoever had to print off oh, this sheet fucked up. Yeah, I, 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 my mind autocorrected Jonas to James, and no, that's uh, well. Then ne- next is Jeff McShaw, who, by the way, was actually murdered by his sous chef's, in my opinion, slash girlfriend. So not the trouble. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't really murdered by a trouble. He was murdered by his girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> now, now I, I let that slide because the Rev is trying to make the, the, the cursed worse, you know, as bad as they can be. Well, and also, he, they, 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 they fucked with the information, right? They fiddled with what the people know. So as right. far as the Rev probably knows, uh, as what's known to the public, in his mind, that it is a troubled person. He knows a trouble is involved. And he knows this guy died as a side effect of this trouble of rotting food. He probably doesn't really concern himself with, or doesn't believe, you know, like like, hey, his his girl poisoned him, and he's like, I no, 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 I know, like it was right, a it, brother. Yeah, if it if it doesn't fit his narrative, he doesn't right. care. He's gonna yeah. he's gonna twist it so that it fits his. Yeah, so I think that's in character that he's kind of yeah. assumes that. Then then we have Phil Reiser, and uh, you know, and we remember him. He's from uh, the uh, Ball and Chain, as is Jill Campbell. Oh yeah, yeah, Phil. Phil was the lobster poacher, right? Yeah, he's the one who uh, <laughs> his buddies puts him on the boat and pushes the body away right away. Yeah, Joe Campbell. We all know the famous Joe Campbell. And then, uh, and he needs no introduction. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 
Joe Campbell is becoming more famous than Joe Camel. Okay, next is Ryan Vesey, and that's one I couldn't remember off the top no, of my head. Nothing. There's no Ryan Vesey's never been in the show before. Ryan Vesey is a crew member they named the character after, apparently. Hmm. Okay. So uh, Simon Crocker is uh, Duke's dad. I mean, you just see that, you know, it's Duke's dad. Yeah. I happen to remember his name was Simon Crocker from the first time. So I guess, you know. And we'll, 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 we, we won't talk about Simon because we don't want to talk about anything we might remember from the first time. No, exactly. I'm just saying that's, that's yeah. why when I saw it, I knew that was his dad. And, yeah. you know, you just make that assumption anyways. You see the last name, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't see him to... be like another Crocker? You, like, oh of course God. it's his dad. Simon, married to Betty. Yes. And then he literally says like, my dad was killed by a trouble person? Like out loud. Darlene Lewis, I don't remember. Nothing. She doesn't, nothing before either. Okay, T.R. Holt and Brad Donnelly are from Fur, and they were yeah. uh, they were killed by the reanimated uh, uh, taxidermy. Yeah, so T.R. was the one in the car that got killed, and then Brad was the one the drinking the beer. Yeah. Yeah, and then Van Richards, I don't remember oh, the name. I don't remember you, Van. You just don't remember his title. He's Captain Van Richards. Oh, my God, that's Captain Richards. Captain Richards, his first name is Van. Oh, I forgot it was Van. No, yeah, Captain Richards, the guy who uh, Nathan basically just let his drawing sink in the water and drown. I, I was like, I don't think we really need to introduce Captain Richards either. We bring him up like every other episode. <laughs> yeah, it's just the Van threw me off. How I'm, he's frankly, a ha- I, I'm ashamed. He's a Haven All Star. Uh, and our last name is pretty obscured, but I figured out what it was. Okay, because all I could read, you know, and uh, you must have had better pause control than I did. All I could read was the first name Andy and just the start of the last name, but not enough. I could even really figure out what the last yeah, name was. Yeah, you can see a W-E, and mm-hmm. that's the character Andy Weaver from the one with James Garrick. When the boat sinks and Andy Weaver's wife blames. Oh, Andy Weaver. Yeah. yeah, he was Garrick's partner. Right in the yep. in the business, yeah. So so when he his wife blamed the wife, you know, blah 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 blah. Okay, but th- that's another one where he wasn't killed by the cursed. But that was the that was what everybody assumed in town. Remember, that was the reputation yeah. is that James it, got drunk and yeah, crashed the, the boat. Yeah, no that that was the that was the uh, the Fortuna couple. Yeah, that uh, right sold but, them faulty fucking parts. Yeah, but as far as what the Rev would probably know, you know, the reputation around town is that. Uh, yeah. James Garrick fucking got everybody on the boat killed. It, it, it fits the Rebs narrative. Okay, so what about, uh, so that's the people killed by the cursed, most of them from season one of uh, Haven. And then Simon Crocker randomly in the middle, where I'm like, okay, yeah. not really the same thing. So where's all the people killed in the 80s? You know, <laughs> and, whoa, you know. whoa, whoa. He, you know, he just started. He just started. All right. You know, he likes to, he likes to start with, the more recent people, then a random guy that died back, you know, way before, put him in the middle. And then and then maybe the second page has got the people in the 80s. Yeah, it's just you know, kind of a ridiculous list that it's like supporting characters from season one, you know. Yeah, you know, you're leading me down a path to drop this to a six. <laughs> and myself, I've been going with that. I mean, but I, I, I liked yeah. all the underwater people shit is the thing i just didn't i didn't think the overstory was well done whereas like sometimes we have the opposite right where it's like oh i like the overstory and like the story of the week sucked or is this one i think it's the opposite i think the overstory moments were executed poorly but the actual episode stuff is like pretty solid or at least i like the main character's contribution i kind of like the flow of the episode i kind of like the way like this the way they're jumping kind of from scene to scene i i enjoyed because i had some yeah. other problems like mary didn't really work for me as a character 
Yeah, I mean, she. I mean, she's just she classic was, pearl clutcher, you know. Like the, the Rev says, says they can be <laughs> saved by the Lord, and I mean, the kids are clearly fucking <laughs> struggling. Yeah. I mean, they're dying. I mean, it's clear. And but uh, she's like, uh, you know, the Rev will save you. And I mean, I can't. Me- I'll find a doctor. Yeah, well, so it's a one. I was like, wait a minute. You went to the fucking priest before you went to a doctor? I will There's say. There's people out there like that. Yeah, I was like, we see examples of this in the news all the time, right? It's like, couple didn't take baby, you know, thought baby was fine and baby dies or whatever, right? Because they, or, you know, the, what? There are people who have died during exorcisms and shit, right? Like, yeah, well, under there's certain sects, uh, Christian sects that uh, don't believe in medication they don't believe in medical yeah. treatment and you know if the if their their child's supposed to be alive you know uh, the lord will save the child versus the more common sense approach that says uh you know if you believe in god the lord gave you medicine <laughs> as a way to stay alive and be right healthy. it's it's the classic boat thing right where yeah. somebody passes by somebody drowning in the ocean they're like hey do you need help and they're like no i'm waiting for god then a boat comes i'm waiting for god then like a the coast guard comes and like i'm waiting for god and then they die go to heaven and they're like why didn't you know, god why didn't you send anybody and he's like i sent you three three things like i sent you like the first person the boat and the coast guard like you were supposed to take that yeah exactly exactly so i don't know mary but like i said there's people like that so that's why i was like okay i can um i can get down with this character but it was a little preposterous that she's like i'm gonna trust the rev over like the Rev, who has no scientific knowledge whatsoever, will be able to help all these kids with a group phenomenon in a town that I know that there's curses like this, that he has no track record of helping anybody. I got the lightning girl in my basement just uh, discharging lightning everywhere. Yeah, it didn't fucking help anything. Nathan says that at one point in the episode, you know, at the Glendower compound and something about, and he doesn't have a good, he doesn't have a good track record with it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Nathan flat out even says it, which so is, I don't know why Mary would be like, you know what? I've seen him do nothing productive in terms of like troubled people, but I'm going to trust him with my son's life. I'd be like, get out of here. You fucking crackpot. Like get away from my kid. Yeah. Yeah. That character's not, not written, written very well. And, uh, and not, then, not, not yeah. a fan. And then Penny, but like I said, it's believable because I think there are people out there who trust uh, religious figures over science. So I I can buy into the character's existence. Obviously, it's just a tough pill to swallow because you disagree with her so aggressively where you're like, what are you doing? Uh, what I didn't really love is Penny. Penny's reveal, I thought, was like kind of whack. Like she never had to go into town to get supplies and the, and the Rev was like, what the fuck? That's my dead wife. Like they never crossed paths ever. Well, and she stays in the fucking compound, man. She doesn't. Uh, she's never had to go into town. She can't go into town because she's she's faked her death. She has to stay in the compound. Man. I just find it so she, unbelievable. She, or, or she or she wears a like she has to wear like a babushka or, or a wig and sunglasses like and when they go take like a vacation out of town. Yeah, they probably go out of their way. 30 miles just to avoid going through Haven. So, I mean, I, I, I think, just, I, just I think, think it's, it's easy. Yeah. I mean, you could say it's, it's a stretch, but I, I think it's doable. Dude, look at Whitey Bulger. That, that dude, how long did he stay uh, elude the police and the FBI? <laughs> I just don't. How many people don't, aren't able to stay in hiding for that long? People get discovered way quicker. I think that's more of an exception than a rule. It is, but so no. I, I just thought it was like, really, you've been alive. I've been alive in secret this whole time. 
it's such a it's such, it's such a tired like TV thing. It's like his dead wife is actually alive and married to like his opponent. No, like a soap opera. Yeah, exactly. Well, I was dead for a year, but then they cryogenically froze me and reattached my head. Yeah, that's kind of what it bum, felt. Bum. It, it felt a little soap opera to me, where I was like, okay, she's actually alive. You know what would be nice is for her to go see her fucking daughter. Is to go see her daughter who has a troubled, like, foster son as well, and probably could use help. Remember when she had to leave the Rev and go into like fucking exile? That'd have been nice to know her mom's alive and taking care of other troubled people. You think like she could relate to that? Yeah, you know, and uh, I forgot about that. And he even says, you left you left me and your daughter. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know, for whatever reason, why I wasn't thinking about that. Because, like, wouldn't you have someone, like, keeping tabs on your on your daughter? Exactly. And I was like, and that, that's also where I was co- coming from. It's like, sure, maybe she could avoid the rev for, what was it, 20 years? Something like that. But, or 25 longer? Yeah, it's like 25. Yeah. Yeah, maybe she could avoid him. But you're telling me she never went to go sneak looks at her daughter. And instead is like living with this guy, like on a fucking compound, this mermaid compound in like yeah. nearby, but won't go see her daughter who is living with a fucking maniac. To, to quote you, merman, dad, yeah. merman. <laughs> Not just a maniac, an alcoholic, religious psycho. She's like, you were so scary. So I left my daughter with you. Like what? So I think it's just kind of crazy that the mom would leave her daughter with the Rev. And then even now that the daughter's disconnected herself from the Rev, she didn't like, yeah, I went and found her and like talked to her. Now that I know like she has nothing to do with you anymore. Nope. Still estranged. Yeah. No, you know, like I said, I don't know how my mind just glossed over the daughter part (laughs) just because, you know, you know, and like I said, I like Stephen McCaddy and the Rev character. I mean, you know, the type he he plays it very, very well. Oh, yeah. But but uh, freaking. Yeah. Now, you know, when you say that, I'm like, oh, my God, you horrible bitch. How could you not? how could yeah. you not keep an eye on your daughter? And, you yeah, know, and maybe maybe they, she did and they don't they don't explain that. But oh, I mean, then that's, you know, that's a problem. That it, is a problem. If they don't explain it, then it doesn't exist. Right. Right. But yeah, I don't have a problem with the Rev's character. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, they yeah, no. I thought it was pretty 10 out of 10 with pretty much. I don't think really any of his lines off the top of my head sound wrong. His behavior seems what you always expect uh, from him. So. I thought the character, like he's still one of my favorite aspects of the show. Well, and then another thing, you know, basically regarding the whole Penny Driscoll situation is I remember from season one, the story was when Penny left him, she uh, left him for a deacon in the church. Oh, you know, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So does that mean Cole Glendower was a deacon at uh, the Good Shepherd? And, I guess. Uh, at one point, the troubled were part of the church community. I mean, I mean, probably the Rev didn't know about them at that time, right? Like, and then this is when he kind of figured it out. I was like, "This sick fuck!" And then the dude slept. With no, his wife. but that, but that's what, but that's what oh, she that's says right. in, yeah, yeah. in she, their he, little he conversation that he had this bigotry and angry towards the tr- troubled, and it just the troubled made it worse, and it made all of that come out of him. Or I guess so. we can infer that um, if this guy was a deacon, that they were like, you know friends or whatever they were you know co-workers and then him finding out that he's troubled is him being like oh you sick fuck and then find <laughs> and then yeah. he started banging his wife and then he's like oh my oh, god this god. is the worst of all worlds well, yeah yeah it doesn't get much worse than that so that could make sense and it and it would make sense story-wise how uh penny met cole 
was through the activities of him being a deacon at the, the good yeah. shepherd. Yeah, that so, would make sense. So I just, that, you know, they don't really explain that, you know, and we infer that from, you know, but what I, we know. Yeah, but I think there's enough pieces there to infer that, like, yeah, soundly. I, well, you know, trained experts like us, but, <laughs> you know, the, the average uh, viewer, I don't know. Yeah. Or, you know, I also liked, uh, we kind of got, we kind of got pissed off Nathan again. He's been pretty measured and uh, calm since the chief died because he knows he's in charge now, you know. And here we got a bit more. We got that, you know, a little bit of a temper flare again with him slamming the the rev around and being like, I, dude, I'd fucking beat the shit out of you if I had my way. But we got shit to do. You don't know how close I was to giving you to them. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So yeah. I like, you know, that that moment works well because we know Nathan does have a history of wanting to fuck up, <laughs> you know, the enemies in the show, you know? Right. Well, you know, and that's another thing about Nathan in this episode, like at that scene at uh, back at, uh, you know, Haven PD, where Audrey's like, hey, let's just go do an illegal uh, investigation on their compound. And he's, you know, I like that he stands up, you know, he's like, hey, I'm the chief now. I'm not supposed to do shit like this. Now, Grant, you know, versus, you know, versus always capitulating to whatever Audrey wants, you know, or says. I think it is definitely a reasonable line, but I was like, oh, dude, come on. We know you're going to go do it. Let's just like, let's just go do it. I was like, don't fuck it around. But, you know, it is within character of him trying to be more, like you're saying, like, chiefly. Yeah, and responsible. So, you know, at least I liked it because well, we yeah, knew yeah. he was going to go do it. I mean, there's yeah. no question. <laughs> I mean, it was like, you know, no, Audrey, you got to go do this on your own. Yeah, but then no one had gotten to look at the photograph of his dad, which once well, again, I think the drama was very, and Nathan's a little drier, so I can maybe accept it. But him being like, oh, yeah, by the way, that's uh, the chief in the photo was like kind of a weird moment where you're like, I don't know if I found a photo of you with some immortal, like my an immortal coworker of mine. I would be like, what the f- the fuck? Like, I, you know, I would just have more surprise where I'd be like, what? Like, you knew this person? You didn't fucking say anything? Which, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. as in Audrey being like, you're like, why didn't the chief ever say anything about this? And I was like, when did the chief ever say anything ever? Yeah, that, and I know they try to play it off as, a, well, our relationship was so bad. Things were so bad between us. I, you know, I, I was waiting for them to improve before I told you all this important shit that I'm going to dump on you. <laughs> and, you know, and uh, yeah, so th- that was kind of ridiculous. But Or that Nathan never saw. I mean, I know his dad's keeping secrets and shit, but like Nathan had no idea what his dad was doing back in the day, like at all. Well, and one thing Chief always says, uh, Nathan, you're not seeing what's right in front of you. So I don't know. Is that what he meant? Like, your partner was my partner, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you break in a couple more houses and find some photos, put on a hat and sunglasses, and no one will ever see you if you do it. With, 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 with the, the HPD jacket. hat, yeah. yeah. With the jacket with police and big letters on it. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, uh, w- one line I really enjoyed was when uh, when Duke's telling Evie about, hey, some dude washed up on, you know, dead on the shore with, with uh, the tattoo. And she's like, did he have an I Heart Haven t-shirt on? And <laughs> yeah. I like that. I thought that was pretty funny myself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now you had the prediction that that's who Evie was talking to on the cell phone was the Rev. Like, I see exactly where you get the deduction just because he is literally – the antagonist so it would make the most sense for her to be working for him but i think in terms of like logistics i really don't understand this pairings where did it come from yeah i think they try to explain it in a in an episode or two 
But yeah, uh, we were both at Target. <laughs> like, and we just met up, and I was like, "Hey, you want to fuck over Duke Crocker's life? Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Why not?" Like, have you seen these savings? Oh, yeah. yes. Uh, oh, you're married to Duke Crocker? Well, hey, I, I need him for a uh, for a maniacal plan that I've been hatching. And, yeah, they're just uh, both in the candle section, and uh, you like Yankee candles too? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they smell scrumptious. Yeah, so I just I'm like, where how did this pairing happen? What did the was the Rev out scouting people like, oh, I need people from Duke's past, or was she, or was she looking for ways to fuck over Duke? Was like, I need to pair up with somebody who's gonna I can fuck up Duke with. I uh, here's this old crotchety man who's still working on like a 2001 Dell computer, yeah. <laughs> barely able to work like use Word processor. So, who I know Duke hates. Yeah, yeah, like somehow. But then again, it goes back to what we discussed uh, earlier when, like, that first phone call took place in that in that episode yeah. was uh, how long has she been a mole? You know, was it back in the old days? You know, when they were pulling capers together, or was it just now since you know she's come back to Haven? Is that why she came back to Haven? Someone when the Rev found her and uh, well, is it back to Haven because? Oh, that's she, true. She's it, it not does, really familiar with the town when she gets it there. Does, yeah, nothing nothing uh, implies that she's been to Haven before. But uh, Yeah, I mean, if there was like a previous slip up where she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we can get it at this address. And he's like, how do you know about that? And she's like, oh, I was reading, you know, the brochure, the tourist brochure. Then you would have like this inkling, like a thread in your mind of like, hey, wait a minute. Is Evie telling the truth? But there's nothing like that to lead no. us to that. Or she said something like, uh, no, I don't want to have drinks at the Rusty Bucket. Yeah. That place sucks. And then he, and it, he's like, and, you know the Rusty Bucket? And he's like, the Rusty Bucket was destroyed before you came back. Was it destroyed? I mean, it was like it hit, the metal ball went through it, but. It was going to be closed for a pretty long time because <laughs> that, that was severe structural damage to it. No, uh, I you, just, spr- you just put some plot, you know, some plywood over the where the windows were and like. uh <laughs> the whole rusty bucket is now a patio. <laughs> yeah. Well, they also lost the person doing their books, right? She was uh, Rev's daughter was doing the bookkeeping for them too. Oh yeah, funneling all that money into her secret account so she could get, <laughs> get a house in Banger. Yeah. Banger was mentioned in this episode. That's where the lab results came in that uh, Leith did not have any water in his lungs, and that it was Moida. Uh, I feel like the ending scene was out of. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Didn't it feel like that with like, I was like, this feels like the elves leaving, you know, or something like, cause they're just in their robes and the, the song playing was very like. Enya. Yeah. It was, uh, I guess you would say Lord of the Rings ish, you know, and kind of like Nathan, I actually agree with my thought. It was kind of, uh, thought it was kind of beautiful. Do you wonder what they do? You know, do they eat like plankton and shit? You know, do they just, getting... uh, yeah. What do they do? They can't watch TV, read books. They got to avoid, you know, like uh, fishing boats. Yeah, you don't want to get netted, you know, uh, get pulled in with the albacore tuna. Yeah, I don't know. I'd be like, yeah, I'm just going to hang out here at Haven. Like, I'm just going to hang out. Like, let's hang out in the water here and just come out every once, you know, to do some shit. Or, or why don't they build a pool on the compound and, yeah. uh, you know, f- you know, fill it with seawater. And if, if I'm, and I'm just assuming that they had, no, they don't have to be in seawater. Cause they had, uh, the they had Daniel in the bathtub. Well, so. We don't know that that, that might've been filled up with seawater, but they were, they have their plumbing to the ocean to pump seawater into the bathtub. I well, mean, no, maybe they brought buckets of like seawater or like the water yeah. was running when they came in. That, well, that was supplemental, you know, 
Oh. Maybe, maybe they, you know what? Maybe they do have their plumbing running to the ocean. I guess that would really make sense. If you know, if you are a person who needs ocean water twenty hours of the day, then I guess it would make sense to do that. I don't know how much uh, Penny would like that. Well, you need a lot of money to have a compound and uh, all these nice, because uh, that wasn't a shabby house they were living in there. Yeah. Well, that might have been. That was like maybe inherited, though. You know, like a inherited, paid off, like. Uh, that's true. Land. We have no idea how the Glendowers, uh, you know, come about their, their, I would their ass- money. I would assume that compound is passed down as like the uh, amphibian family land. The ancestral manse. Yeah, yeah since they right. need it to be close to the ocean because that's, I don't know, where they have to go. Because apparently, you know, we know now the Troubles are hundreds of years old. So uh, what do you think about how Audrey figured out Gwen's true identity? Did you, did it you buy it? It kind of just happens, right? She's like, what? You're Penny. I was like, okay, like, what the fuck? That's what I'm talking about. This episode is like the big moments are just are just tossed in. They're just like there where they're like, that's Penny. You know, I, I can only imagine in the writing room there were these discussions where people were like, dude, how the fuck does Audrey figure this out? And they're like, yeah, she just looks at her and recognizes her. Like, and it's like, she's, like oh, she's, she says, uh, oh, the handwriting from the back yeah. of the picture from 1983 yeah. is exactly the same as the note that shouldn't exist because it would have dissolved in the water. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, it's Penny. You know, I'm sure someone was like, I don't think this flies. And they're like, fuck it. We're out of time. We got to just do it quick to fit in all the other shit in the episode. So I'd have to wonder what could be cut from this episode to to remedy these scenes that need more time and care to them. Like, uh, like Duke finding his net dad's name on the, uh, you know, the fucking word document. What, what scene could get cut to give more time? Maybe the beginning with the kids, but that's not a ton of time. Yeah. But then we wouldn't get uh, the sea is dark. The sea is deep down below is where they sleep. Cold and dark below the foam, they wait for us. And that's all I got. But you're right. I guess we could have done without that. Well, how did the cinder block get pulled down? You know, like they they, they toss the kid in and then we see the rope like coming off the dock, getting like pulled deep. But then the kid's kind of like right there at the surface. So I'm like, why is the rope getting pulled down like that? You know, if he, okay, so he falls in, there's a ton of slack on the rope. If the kid's dog paddling right there at the surface, near the surface, the rope would kind of just stop moving and it wouldn't pull in the center block. Right. That's true. He would have to go down and pull the tension on it. So yeah, that's, you know, I didn't even think of that. So the kid, I I was thinking, I was like, what the fuck is with the rope? Uh, It's it's not like a big deal, but it would have made more sense if one of the kids like kicked in the center block, you know? Well, I mean, cause I guess the scene is for establishing, establishing the merman. And because I had remembered there was, uh, you know, I, I couldn't remember if it was I knew there were mermen. I just didn't know if there were. Why do I feel silly saying the word mermen? I don't know. I just uh, mermen, oh, okay. dad. I'm sorry. Yeah. But nonetheless, uh, you know, because it established that the kids are mer- mermen or they're just murdering a kid. Yeah, and- it's 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 going for the it's going for the easy Shock value, maybe. It's going for the easy bait and switch, right? It's going for the trying to trick you into these kids are murdering versus are murdering like another kid and the dad walking by and be like, hmm. And then when he shows up dead, you're like, maybe these kids murdered him too. So it's like some like children of the, you know, seaweed instead of children of the corn. Children of the corn. That's right. Uh, Then it's trying to trick you into thinking like these kids are murderers. What's going on? And then you see the kid later and you're like, what the fuck's going on? You know, uh, there's a lot of like mermaid imagery though in the intro so you're kind of like okay there's maybe some people who can breathe underwater and some shit 
Yeah, I mean, it was. But it, uh, it's definitely trying to trick you at the beginning. That nice little cold open of like, oh, these kids are murderers because you kind of see them and you think they might be friends or something, which they are. And no, they're cousins. Yeah, they're yeah, all cousins. Oh, yeah, you can be. Yeah, I would just hope they were friends if they've been hanging out. That'd suck if they all hated each other. It's definitely going for a bait and switch, but it's not. I mean, maybe you could cut that. Yeah, I mean, maybe you could cut uh, Duke, Nathan, and Audrey at uh, at, at back at uh, Haven Police Department. Maybe, yeah, or, or maybe, maybe, maybe they could have just like you know got a call from Stan who said, "Hey, we 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 investigated, and it's Mary Collins." Or you could have maybe combined the uh, instead of us seeing the Rev getting his mob of boys, you could have combined that scene with the Glendowers, right? So the instead of Glendowers being like Audrey and Nathan, you need to get the fuck out of here, and having his armed guys escort. What you could have had is the Rev showing up at the compound with his guys, and then you know a little like armed tension between the two groups, and then Nathan and Audrey being like, okay. You guys get the fuck out of here. You guys need to tell us what's going on so we can help you and stand down. Yeah. yeah you know so. what? I think that actually would have been better. That that, that would have it would have created more tension. Too. Yeah, it'd have been. It'd I think that would have been more dramatic, more tension. It's obviously easy to say in hindsight and retrospect, <laughs> yeah, right? And once yeah. episode's over, once again, it's like, it's you know like sports analysis where it's like, why didn't you know blah 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 do this instead? Why didn't he just not throw an interception? Well, it's easier to fucking say now than when you're in the moment writing it and like producing and directing it, but. That's probably where I would try to adjust, like pivot. And there's so many other factors that we don't know. Like, you know, the showrunners, like, you got to include this shit. And, like, you're still trying to make the story fit. It's just, a, it's a lot of moving pieces. So, and like I said, it, it's not a strong seven, actually. It's, you know, it, it's a seven, but it's, it's a not soft a strong seven. seven. It's a soft seven. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Is your nickname in high school? <laughs> uh, that, that was not my nickname in high school. <laughs> Yeah, and you might think this one, oh, this one's got a guy with all the directed by Paolo Barsman, I think was the name. He's got mm-hmm. a lot of sci fi experience. And I thought, I thought it was a well flowing episode. Uh, he's done stuff like uh, he worked on the Dead Zone, obviously. It's obviously. like every, everybody's got a connection to the Dead Zone on this. He also did Being Human, uh, Lost Girl, and Winona Earp. So he's done a bunch of sci fi and a couple other things, obviously, but those are like notable yeah. sci fi ones that I, I saw. Well, did you read up that he was born in uh, France and why he was born in France? Because his parents were uh, blacklisted as communists and they had to leave leave America. So that's why he was born in France. Yeah. He's listed as Canadian online. Is he Canadian or American? His parents were American and they were blacklisted and, you know, in Hollywood. So they went to France, had him and then he came back and... uh, so interesting interesting yeah it was fascinating just some I, I thought was really neat and he has done some good stuff and uh and get uh gabrielle stanton wrote the episode yeah and she's written some others and pretty much does writing like you know consulting producer or whatever mm-hmm. like in the writing room for pretty much every episode of season two yeah yeah she plays a big role uh she writes quite a few episodes uh well i won't say quite a few probably like two a season going forward. yeah but consistently in the writing room helping with every episode this was an ambitious episode with i think what yeah. they were all trying to accomplish and and squeezing it in i can see how it could be difficult so i don't want to sound like you know joe Hardass, like <laughs> but like you know i could have done it better you know the guy who can barely write shitty poetry you know is gonna tell you how to write a better screenplay well, you know, I don't really think I have anything else about this episode. No. You no, know, that I'm a, now I'm looking forward to to see, you know, what exactly does the Reb think he's got Duke got a hold of him for? What does he want Duke to do? 
Now I'm curious to find that out. I'm curious to find out what the hell, why Evie's doing this? When did she start doing this? And all of that. I mean, it's a little hard to say because I know why the, what the Rev wants to do with Duke. So I, I do remember, so it's not a mystery, but... I do. I, not, I, was, uh, I was doing that for our listeners because uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I do know what the Rev wants him to do as well. And uh, for that, that I for whatever reason, I never forgot that. That just stuck with me. I mean, I wouldn't say for whatever reason. It's pretty memorable. So those, yeah. list, those watching for the first time, it's going to be good. So next episode, we will be announcing our winner for the Blu-ray release. So stay tuned for that. Uh, remember, all you need to do is submit a little poem. It can be a haiku, a little small. I know we've already got a submission or two, a couple submissions. I swear, more than more than zero, more than one. We got a couple. I, I've been saving mine, but just wait. You know, think Frost mixed with Tennyson. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be great. <laughs> yeah. So we're close to announcing a winner on on that. If you want to win season one of Haven on Blu-ray. Uh, we also got the other seasons two and three. So in the future, we'll also be doing fan giveaways on that. But like I said, that is it for the episode. You can uncover more secrets of Haven with us on our next episode. Trouble drops on Mondays. So make sure to tune in wherever you listen to podcasts like Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and a bunch of others. If you want to contact us, the easiest way to reach us is by email. You can reach us at troubledrewatchpod at gmail.com. You can visit our website, troubledpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter. At Haven's Trouble, it's a capital H and a capital T. Uh, we are on Patreon. We like to do a series called Trouble with Extra Syrup. That's our on our three dollar tier. A Haven resident, our one dollar tier. If you don't have, if you don't want to do three dollars a month, you just want to show support with a one dollar. You can do that. That's a Haven tourist, and that gets you a fan shout out, some access to some documents. You can get the the Haven Mad Libs. That was our kind of February. Oh, I'm sorry. Our yeah, yeah, our february release for documents if, if you have a fear of commitment that's the level <laughs> yeah. you want to go uh also our haven wrestler names uh those have been sent out everybody's enjoying and laughing about their haven wrestling names maybe we'll give you a sneak peek at some of them just to entice you to be like hey you know what i want a haven i want a haven re- wrestling name and lastly our five dollar tier is our haven's uh, trouble tier that gets you the director's cuts. Those are all a bunch of those are finally ready. They'll be dropping all the time now. Uh, so you can hear extra irreverence. We cut out a bunch of shit we talk about that scene is starts getting off topic. But if you're, you know, maybe if you're earlier on and you're like, hey, you know what, I want to, I want to listen to it with all the extra shit, then you can start from the beginning and listen to it with all our extra wild side tangents that we tend to go on. They get cut out of the main episodes. Right. And I can tell you, tell you, you will hear sometimes some funny family stories and things like that, that uh, we cut out normally. So yeah, it's, uh, it's for the diehards, but I think you'll, if you enjoy this and why wouldn't you, you'll enjoy that even more. Uh, What you also get with the Haven's troubled tier at $5 is a, you can do like a live discussion or Q and a with us. Uh, we can also record it on Zoom, turn it into an episode, or do a document if there's any useful or entertaining information you think the audience, other audience members, other Patreon members might enjoy. That is it for this episode. My name is Alex French. And this is Rich French, and uh, I hadn't shilled for Patreon yet this episode, so I will now. I <laughs> recommend it highly. Uh, you're going to love our upcoming uh, Dead Zone episode. I think it's going to be off the hook, but uh, we appreciate your support. And uh, just want to thank you for listening. I hope everyone stays safe. And most importantly, please remember, 
Never let your troubles get you down.